Hello, and welcome to the Lacrosse Matrix podcast, where stats make the story. Please enter the matrix now. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Lacrosse Matrix podcast, where stats make the story. I, as always, am your host, Adam Levy. Thank you so much for joining me for another amazing episode of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast, this being episode number 26. I can't believe we're already there. And uh, a quick little nugget for you, just because uh, I like to get the nuggets going early as possible. 26 is also the number of letters in the alphabet. That is uh, a fun fact for me, and just throwing that in there, because uh, with my son Preston, who you heard on last week's episode of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast, where he made his podcast debut, we are now teaching him the ABCs, and so this is a reminder to him. Uh, Hopefully he is listening or will be listening and uh, he knows that there are 26 letters of the alphabet. But, of course, if you didn't know that, then there you go. It's a fun little fact for you. Oh, but enough about the alphabet. Uh, although, of course, the alphabet does make up words, and, and words make up my ability to communicate with you not only on this podcast, but through my writing, which you can find on NLL.com and NLLPA.com, where I will be covering uh, and featuring players throughout the year. Uh, so make sure to check those websites out for my written content there. But let's now focus back on to the National Lacrosse League and our featured guest of the week because he is about to get started at training camp with his new team. There's your first hint. And the second hint that I have for you about this guy is that he has moved to a team that is in the city of brotherly love. Now, if you're a Canadian, you may not know where the city of brotherly love is, but if you're American, especially from the Northeast, I'm pretty sure you do. So that gives you a little bit of hint of who we will be covering. But now it is time before we head deep into the matrix to give you your number of the week. And I do have a little bit of a treat for you because we actually have two numbers of the week this week. Your numbers of the week are two and three. So without further ado, let's head deep into the matrix and let's find as many nuggets as possible. It is starting to get cold in North America, those northern parts of North America, especially here where I am in Vancouver. It is getting very chilly, so we want to feast on as many nuggets as possible so we can feel warm for the winter season. So let's go find those nuggets and go right into the matrix. talked about it in a recent episode this was the kevin crowley and curtis dixon episode where there were so many seismic shifts that took place during this nll offseason and another one of those incredibly mind-blowing moves was when joe resiteritz one of the top americans to play in the national lacrosse league in its history signed a three-year contract and there of course is one of your numbers of the week Uh, three-year contract with the Philadelphia Wings to join their squad and and be one of their key players. 
I don't think many people would have ever predicted that Joe would have made that move to the Philadelphia Wings. He has obviously spent a lot of time with the Albany Firewolves and the, the New England Black Wolves before that, and of course, the Rochester Nighthawks before that, as well as having spent some time in Buffalo and Calgary. But now with the Wings, it's interesting to to kind of think about how he got here to this next stage of his career, obviously signing a three-year deal, which means he is committed to understanding how things are going to develop with uh, a lot of young players, particularly on that offensive side of the ball. So why don't we hear from Joe himself about his thoughts about how he ended up in Philadelphia? Um, you know, it, it was a... Uh... It was a very stressful, you know, situation to be able to, uh, it was enjoyable, but very stressful. I could say that about, you know, the experience of, you know, being a free agent. Um, you know, it just came down to, you know, the travel with, you know, you know, easier with me with, you know, being my family. Um, and, you know, just, you know, that, that's what, you know, it, it comes first as family and, um, you know, and obviously Philly, Philly's a team that underachieved big time last year, in my opinion. And I'm sure a lot of people will say that, um, they, they were a lot better than their record. And, um, you know, they had a very talented team last year and, um, obviously in a lot of situations we couldn't control with, you know, with COVID and all that, it's, you know, that we teams had to roll with the punches, you know, when guys test the positive. So, and, uh, but, you know, just being knowing a lot of guys on that team, um, you know, I've been, you know, been around Pauly. Uh, I met Pauly in 2015, I think it was, in Rock, and I have a very good, uh, very close, you know, relationship with him. You know, he's done a lot for me as a player. And, um, you know, he, you know, honestly, I wouldn't be here still playing. I, I don't think if, you know, he didn't, they didn't bring me on to Rochester and, you know, he kind of made me, uh, you know, feel more confident about myself, you know, when I got there and, you know, I had the ability to play my game and, you know, develop as a player, playing with some great players. So, um, you know, to be back with him, you know, it was, uh, it was something I always wanted to do by the time I, you know, you know, call quick and, um, you know, the opportunity came and I'm just, you know, what happened. And of course, because I did have him as one of our guests this week, I wanted to get Paul Day, uh, GM and head coach of the Philadelphia Wings. I wanted to get his take on, on how he thought the whole situation with bringing in Joe, uh, all, all went down. We was waiting to basically all summer get MRI, MRI. Uh, his wife had a new baby boy. So, um, uh, he was, you know, busy with that, but he really was, like, I talked to him in May about getting up to Peterborough to play, and he was like, I got this ankle injury, and I'm dealing with, uh, you know, trying to, so he did a lot of treatment for six weeks, then an MRI, um, and then obviously, you know, no intention of him becoming a free agent. Kind of same with our team, it wasn't the change with the, the CBA that changed everything, because we, we had the same issue with, uh, Colin Matisse, the CBA changed, and they both became unrestricted free agents August 15th. And I don't believe we learned that until maybe four or five days before. So it really changed us, our plan at the last minute, because 
<clears throat> you know, we had targeted some older players, and uh, they were 34, not 33. And I, I think our goal in the off-season free agency was teams are packing in so much. Joe was a guy that Joe or, let's say, a Curtis Dixon or, a, you know, a player that generates by driving the net. We don't really have a lot of that. We have Matt Rambo on the right, left side or right side, whatever you want to say, the lefty. But we needed a right that's going to generate. And, uh, you know, with the change of the CBA, he fit perfectly. And uh, defensively, we need to generate more from the D end. And, you know, kind of like Chad Tutton fits into that. He's very aggressive, but he loves to run the floor. And a guy who can spark some transition. So at one point, it was great that we had the opportunity to talk to Joe, but we were also in a position that we had to work really hard not to lose Kyle Matisse. Boy, do I not envy uh, any GM in the National Lacrosse League. It, it sounds really stressful during that offseason period. But, you know, I want to transition. Why are we talking about Joe? What makes him so special? Well, in 2018, Joe Rezateritz became the first American player to reach the 100-point milestone in one NLL season. He had a flat 100 points that year. But this season, he took it to another level. Not only did he surpass 100 points again in the 2021-2022 season, but he had 111 points. And to top that, he had a career high in 40, with 47 goals and also a career high with 64 assists. So he really just had an all-around career year. And this was in year nine of his in the National Lacrosse League. Now, if you didn't catch it, those two 100-point seasons is why one of our numbers of the week was two. So obviously, Joe Resateritz is a very coveted talent, and uh, any team would be lucky to have him. But Joe would tell you that he's a, he and many players who have played or are still playing for Paul Day are, are fortunate to have him as a leader and as a coach because Paul just has a certain way of, of connecting with players and getting the best out of them. Um, you know, he lets you play your game, right? You know, he, and, you know, he keeps his calm, you know, calm and cool as he can, you know, um, obviously there's times, you know, he's gonna, you know, freak out when he has to, you know, every coach has to do that, but, you know, we're all here, you know, obviously we're, we're there for, you know, when there's time, you know, the ball's not going to be falling for you or, you know, you mess up on a play. Um, and, you know, that stuff happens, you know, it's all about what you do next. And, um, you know, he lets you, you know, play your game. You know, he doesn't let try to get in your head too much. Um, you know, obviously that can, you know, if that starts happening, you know, it, it's not good sometimes. So he lets you play your game and just through how he's, how he treats everybody, you know, everybody that's ever played for Paul, he, you know, will say, man, that's, you know, if I could play for him again, I would. And, um, you know, how he just goes about making everyone feel comfortable, you know, treating everybody with respect it's just you know that stuff goes a long way and again like i said i I, i'm you know it was a no-brainer decision you know to uh you know get a chance to play for him again by coming to philadelphia joe is also joining a guy that he knows quite well from his past although they have never played together in the national lacrosse league and i'm talking about kyle matisse one of the top transition players in the national lacrosse league today it's interesting that they both came into the National Lacrosse League in 2013, and they've played against each other a bunch, but 
Yeah, they, they just haven't linked up on the same team just yet, and that is until this season. And so it's going to be very exciting to see how they can connect on the floor. Yeah, he's a special player. Um, you know, his, what he does in the NLL, is it transfers over, uh, you know, to summer lacrosse. I don't think that always happens as smoothly as people expect it to. Uh, you know, they're both indoor lacrosse, box lacrosse, uh, but the nuances of the game are, you know, I would I would venture to say a little bit more, um, more than just nuances. Um, you know, with the different goalies, smaller nets. You know, the wooden stick as opposed to a plastic stick. Typically, smaller floors. Sometimes you're playing on concrete. Sometimes you're playing on wood. Um, so there's lots lots going on, and it was nice to get, uh, you know, Joe back in the lineup, kind of rate rate uh, playoff time there uh, as he was kind of recovering from that ankle injury and um, you know he's he's got that gold scoring touch that uh, you know I would say there's a special few in the league that can can fill in that with you know two and three and four and five goals a night um, and uh, you know we're lucky to have him and uh, definitely lucky to have him all year round with the wings as well but uh, he definitely was an added spark in Peterborough this summer. We've heard now both Matisse and Paul Day talk about those Peterborough Lakers. Of course, we covered the Peterborough Lakers uh, on the first episode of Season 2 of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast. And if you want to go check that episode out, you should go to Apple Anchor or Spotify and search Lacrosse Matrix podcast and you will find that episode because... What the Lakers did, obviously, on the four-peat was huge. And this season, bringing in Joe Rezateritz, obviously getting to play with Kyle Matisse and Paul Day was great. But let's just break down how effective Joe Rezateritz was with the Peterborough Lakers in the five games out of the seven that he played for them in the Man Cup specifically. In four of those five games, he had two goals apiece. And then he totaled 17 assists over those five games And if we go to game four of the series, his two goals and six assists for nine, for eight points, excuse me, that's some simple math there. He actually led the team in points that game. So he was clearly a very pivotal role on those Lakers. Touching back again on Joe being the first American to have two 100-point seasons in the National Lacrosse League. It's uh, big for, for the game of lacrosse and the growth of the game to have an American player excel at such a high level. And, and the Philadelphia Wings are, are not shy to bringing in very talented American players. If you look at, of course, guys such as Blaze Reardon, Matt Rambo, and Trevor Baptiste, who are all improving, it seems, year after year and really making their mark in the National Lacrosse League with very little or no box experience. So, when they're playing against or, or with, excuse me, a guy like Resiteritz, who has been in this league as an American for so long, he obviously has a lot to teach them. And it's very important, as I said, to have Americans in this game showing their talents at the biggest stage in box lacrosse. Each year, they just keep becoming more dominant. Um, like you mentioned, those three guys that um, that are on Philly, um, you know, Blaze, you know, played junior. And uh, I'm not sure how many years he played, um, but he he's a guy that was introduced to it, and you know made it to the made it to the NLL. And every year, man, he just keeps getting more more dominant. And as you could say, with 
uh, Rambo, same thing. Um, the guy who much I, I don't think has was experienced, uh, who, who had the experience of playing or the opportunity of playing box across uh, growing up and how he figured the game out, you know, you know, his rookie year and how dominant he is and how he's figured out the game just that quick. Um, Cause it's not an easy thing to do. And, um, you know, watching, you know, you know, uh, Trevor play, um, you know, being a face off guy and being able to play D, you know, that goes hand in hand in this league. Uh, obviously you don't see, Many people are just taking draws like you do in the field. Um, and you see, you know, you look at the guys like Jake Withers and you know, Jordan McIntosh, all these guys that take draws, but they're playing all over the floor. You know, playing defense, one's play, you know, some guys can play offense. And how um, how he's figured out, how Trevor's figured out the, uh, you know, the, defensively a boxing, that's not an easy task to do. And, um you know, you see guy, also a guy like Joe Dardella, another guy who takes drugs and just has become so dominant on D. And it just shows you that the talent that's coming up with those two guys, you know, you know, figuring the game out, you know, obviously taking draws is their main thing, but being solid, you know, being really good at least defensive in this league. And it, it, it's amazing to see that the progress that here, you know, more Americans are figuring the game out and becoming stars. And just to go back to Paul Day's thoughts on Joe Rez for just a moment, of course, we've talked all about the saga of what it took to get Joe to the Philadelphia Wings, but and we've also heard why Joe wants to play for Paul Day and for the Wings, but here's what Paul wants from Joe and what he expects from Joe this season as, as a dynamic player in this league. Well, I think there's... Um... If some guys just have a knack for the net, like Joe, he attacks. Uh, whether he's shooting from the outside or he's attacking the net, when he has the ball, he attacks. So he draws uh, he draws other players to him. Like just watching him again this summer in Peterborough, uh, you know, we were all commenting on how he's one of the best guys to draw two people to him because he's, he's dangerous. He doesn't just find a spot on the floor and shoot. He can go underneath, he can go over the top, he can shoot mid-range, he can run through you. So I think that's, and he just, he loves to score goals. That just makes everybody else better. And, uh, you know, there's certain guys in the league that they have their their favorite spot to shoot from. He he is different. And over the past couple of years, he's changed his shooting that, you know, he's not so predictable. I saw him last year score a lot of five-hole bouncers in the past, but, Maybe he didn't score because everybody's thinking he's shooting at a certain spot. So he's dangerous, and uh, you know you, you just have to have those guys that want to attack the net and score goals. Another one of the reasons that that Joe really wants to continue to excel and improve in the National Lacrosse League, even at this point of his career, is the fact that he has not won an NLL championship yet. He is, of course, one of a handful of players uh, just off the top of the head. Uh, that have been in the league for so long and have yet to win an NLL championship. You think about guys, and we talked about it, of course, uh, Kevin Crowley being one of those guys, Brody Merrill is another, and then you got guys like Dane Smith or Steve Priolo. There's a handful of guys that really have worked so hard and, and deserve an NLL title, but have not won one just yet. And that really is something that is motivating Joe as he heads to this next venture in his life. 
Yeah, that's that's why we play this game, you know, for moments like that of winning. And uh, it's not easy, and I think that's the challenge everybody loves. Um, you know, if it was just given to us, it wouldn't be – you wouldn't enjoy as much as, you know, you, you know, it is he earned it, right? Um, it just, you know, you know, the older I get, you know, I, I, I'm cherishing these moments as much as I can. Um, you know, not, not taking the game – granted you know like maybe i kind of did you know earlier on get away with stuff um obviously your body reacts different you know when you're younger but um you know i I see what i have to do now you know to keep to keep up at you know the pace i want to play and um you know obviously i want to keep this pace up because i want to contribute to any way i can to bring a championship to philly you know that's you know the reason why everyone plays the game you know if that's if you're in it for the other not uh, if you're in it for another reason i mean you know i i don't you should be playing but you know um you know we all play as you know for the main thing at the end of the day is that's doing a championship now of course you know you hear all about how joe resiteritz and and i'm sure his teammates as well want to win an nll championship and if you really think about it adding a championship to philadelphia would be uh, the icing on the cake to a city that seems to be having so much success this season uh, across so many sports leagues. If you think about the Philadelphia Union are about to this upcoming weekend are going to compete for the MLS Cup in soccer. And then you've got the Philadelphia 76ers who after a little bit of a rough start are bouncing back. And then of course you have the Philadelphia Phillies who are in the middle of a grueling series with the Houston Astros to win Major League Baseball's coveted championship. Yeah, I think, and again, I know you didn't necessarily mention it because the Flyers are just kind of starting, but they started off uh, pretty hot this year too. And, um, you know, we're happy to be a part of it. And I know, you know, City of Brotherly Love, as everyone says, um, you know, we're always following our our fellow sports teams. And I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't stay on, on our group chats and, um, just in dialogue via email and text messaging, you know, we're following along the sports teams for sure. And, and the other night I had, uh, you know, for game one of the World Series, I had my Phillies jersey on and, uh, you know, big comeback win there. So we're uh, we're excited to be a part of it. And I think that's, uh, you know, as a Philadelphia fan, uh, there's always there's always an expectation of a winning culture. But um, more importantly, having that uh, – hard work ethic day in and day out and earning everything you get, you get. And, uh, you know, the teams that are, are having success right now are definitely earning everything they get. And we're trying to use that, uh, that those success stories to say, Hey, look, look at the work ethic they're putting in. Look at the, uh, the finer details like that. Um, and try and take it, uh, you know, into our culture with the wings uh, for training camp in the coming weeks. Now, we are running very short on time here, so I did just want to quickly mention in regards to what Kyle Matisse was saying, I did forget the Flyers, and uh, I just want to say it right here, set it for the record, I do live in Canada. I, I moved here about six years ago now, uh, but I, I don't follow hockey. Uh, I'm sorry if that offends anyone. So uh, hockey teams and hockey team successes skip my mind. Uh, I only know vaguely about what's going on with the Vancouver Canucks. So I apologize for any non-hockey talk and, and my lack of hockey knowledge. It is now that time to introduce our analyst of the week, and this is a guy who knows the Philadelphia Wings quite well. He is a lacrosse analyst and also the co-host of the podcast, 
Pro Lacrosse Talk. Please welcome Brian Andrews. Yeah, you know, very excited for the signing. Uh, the Wings obviously had a few key losses to trades or free agencies in uh, Hickey, Small, Big Cat. Very sad about that still. But one, I think he, he bringing 111 points uh, from last season to this team makes up for a lot of that lost production. It also very much solidifies their right-handed side of the offensive uh, side of the floor. They were last year and are still, even with uh, the losses to trades and free agencies, still very left-hand dominant on the offensive side with you know Blaze, Kyle Jackson, Rambo. I could go on and on. Um, but now they have kind of have like a duality where they can kind of spread defenses across the floor with threats from either side. So I think he does a lot to maybe balance the offense. And he's also a guy that can create on his own or capitalize on assisted opportunities. So he's dangerous whether or not he's the one initiating from his side or you have, you know, Rambo or whoever else initiating from the left-handed side. And I think that's going to make it a lot easier for the Philadelphia offense to get opportunities in the middle of the floor. And they had a whole period of time last season where their offense was just completely stagnant. And a lot of it was because defenses could push them out to the perimeter, not let them into the middle of the floor. I think Joe Resteris is going to make them, make other defenses have to respect the Wings offense a little bit more. And of course, you know, I had to ask Brian, who is a Philly guy and is a big Philly sports fan, of course, you know, with the Wings being one of his favorite teams to cover, I would imagine being a big lacrosse guy, I had to ask him about the expectations that are being placed on the Wings with so many Philadelphia sports teams being so successful, uh, either competing in the championship or potentially winning the championship. Who knows what's going to happen over the next week or two for a couple of teams and then uh, in the months to come. But there is a lot of pressure on the Wings to perform. You know, I think there is, but I also think that Philadelphia is just kind of the city where there's always kind of a baseline pressure because you'll see any, even in any of the other sports athletes will say in interviews, you know, the fan, the fans here will let you know when you're playing well and when you're not. Um, but I do think there'll probably be some FOMO if they don't perform well out of the gate, given the rest of the city's performance, you know, obviously Philly's world series equals undefeated. The union are in the championship this Saturday. Um, so I definitely think there will be some added pressure because of the the sports teams. But if they do perform well, I think that will bode well for potentially, you know, increased attendance, increased fan involvement. Um, the Wings themselves have a really good fan base that go religiously to these games and they're very active. Um, but it's still nothing like the Loud House or Bandit Land. And I think some added success would be really good for them and the league if they were able to obtain it. And I think so much of what it comes down to is, you know, kind of building a team chemistry. When you look at all the major sports that are doing well in Philadelphia right now, looking at you Sixers, need to pick it up. Um, all of those teams are having so much fun. It's clear that they enjoy being on the field together. And the crowd just attaches to that type of energy. Go look at celebrations when the Phillies win or when the Eagles score a touchdown or get a pick or something like that. You see the players like, you can tell the players like each other. They've prepped team-wide celebrations. Um, I would love to see energy like that from a Wings group that whose face has changed pretty considerably. So if they can form that level of chemistry, I think that people will feed into it and it'll just be a feedback loop that helps them get uh, the moment, momentum they need to get deep into the postseason. 
Thank you so much, Brian, for that amazing analysis. And uh, obviously, you're you're very invested in the Philly sports scene right now. There's so much going on. Let's hope that the Wings can have an equally successful season this upcoming NLL year. So let's quickly get into the Lacrosse Matrix podcast poll of the week, which you can always find at my Twitter at Adam Levy Sports. I asked you with Joe signing a three-year deal. Back in August, will Joe Resiteritz, by the time that he hangs up his jersey in the National Lacrosse League, will he be considered by the public as a better American NLL player than Casey Powell was? It was a simple yes or no, and 63% of you said yes, he will, and 37% said no. There were almost 100 votes this week, so thank you all for contributing, and look out uh, for future polls on my Twitter at Adam Levy Sports. Just quickly for some context between the two, between Joe and Casey, Casey Powell was a successful player from 1999 to 2014, but there were some gaps in there. He played 11 seasons and almost tallied 700 points. It is the points per game at 4.92 that really stand out. He ended with 279 goals and 395 assists. Obviously a fantastic career for Casey. And for Joe, Joe is heading into his 10th season in the National Lacrosse League, and he is trying to catch up with Casey Powell in terms of goals, assists, and points. Joe has 233 goals, currently 312 assists, and 545 points. But again, looking at the points per game average at 3.76, so you do see the disparity. But Joe still has at least three more years on that contract, so let's see what Joe will be able to do with the Wings. Thank you so much to all the guests this week on the Lacrosse Matrix podcast. Of course, to Joe Rezateritz, GM and head coach Paul Day, Kyle Matisse, and of course, Brian Andrews. Thank you guys so much for all your contributions. And that is going to do it for this episode of the Lacrosse Matrix podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Uh, We've got another great one coming for you. So have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll talk next week.